I'm going to be 75 here in a couple of weeks. So I'm an old dude. I went to the seniors friend day today. I fit right in. And uh, when I was 25, uh, this we started this church. Uh, I can't imagine, I can't remember that, 25. I wonder how I felt. I bet I felt pretty good. 50 years ago, so August, uh, October 7th, uh, 1973, Jefferson Baptist Church started. We met in the grade school, uh, excuse me, we met in the concert hall over on uh, 1st Street, next to the, not too far from the barber shop, across from the fire hall, and uh, not very long, and then we moved over to the grade school gym, and we met there until 1979. And, uh, and then we moved into that building in 1979, and then we moved into the gymnasium and had worship in there in 1989, and then we moved into here in 1999, and then we finished that building over there in 2009. So, you know, just so you can keep track. So, October 7th, uh, 8th, 7th and 8th, we're going to have a 50th anniversary party here, celebrating 50 years as a church. We're going to have uh, refreshments, and uh, we'll have pictures and slides. Now... The ultimate. This is going to be a first. In the early days, we didn't have a great piano player or a singer like Jerry. All we had was me and Patty. So she played the guitar and we wrote the songs, words on the songs and big poster board and I held the poster board. And, and then... Her and I would lead the worship. Now, we started out with a dozen people, and we grew up to about 100 people, me holding the poster board and her playing the guitar. I would have thought that would have been impossible. So, just for old time's sake, and some of you are thinking, really? We're going to lead worship, Patty and I, and we're going to sing some of those old, old original songs. You know, we couldn't remember the words, so I went online and said, uh, Popular Christian choruses in the 70s. And so as I started seeing them and seeing the words, oh yeah, I remember that one, I remember that one. So anyway, we're picking out a couple and we're going to lead it. If it's too embarrassing, we'll quit after the first one and come up with a substitute one. But if you've always wanted to hear me attempt to sing, then uh, October 7th and 8th, we're going to do that. And it's going to be fun looking at the pictures and, and telling stories and seeing all that God has done over the years. So yeah, there's not very many people that have been in the church from the beginning. There's like five. And uh, the rest have all died. <laughs> so Good to see you tonight. Uh, and uh, there's a bulletin out there with some stuff happening. Oh, so much stuff taking place right now. You can grab that. And But I really would encourage you, if you would, invite people to this service. Uh, and that would be great if you do that. So we're going to start a series tonight on Second Peter. And... 50 years of preaching, I've never preached on 2 Peter. I've preached almost every book in the Bible, but I've never preached on 2 Peter. So this is all brand new stuff. Uh, And so here we go. I'm going to read to you the first three verses. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, a faith of the same kind as of ours, by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you 
God's grace is more than simply what we're saved by. God's grace is his will and his strength in us. And we get God's grace. God's grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The word knowledge in the Greek language is two words. There's genosis. Uh, it means to know. Today's Wednesday. I know that. Genosis. Intellectual sort of knowledge. And then there's epigenosis. I know my wife. That's a little different than knowing today's Wednesday. And so the word that's used there, in the knowledge of God, that's epigenosis, that's a full relational intimate knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power, his divine power, this is so cool, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. His power, his divine, supernatural, infinite, almighty power has given us everything we need to live life and to grow, to become like God. Through, there's a catch, through the knowledge, the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So his power comes into our life on the basis of how much we know God, how intimate our relationship is with him. Um, number one in your notes, one of the most basic of facts about Christianity is that God is knowable. And we can have a real relationship with God and the, the God of the universe. Chatting with a fellow the other day and he said, uh, we were talking about some issues in his life and he pointed like this and he says, the big man uh, is watching. I know that. So does that sound like a term of intimacy? The big man is watching. That's an awareness of God's presence and his power and some sense that he is in control, but uh, I've never called my wife the big woman. Multiple reasons. <laughs> I call her honey and babes and, you know, words like that. True knowledge of him He's knowable. We can have a relationship with him. Now, it's difficult because we can't see him. It's difficult because he's God. And it's, you know, it's like having a relationship with uh, the president. Or somebody, you know, they're powerful, they're big. And so it takes a little bit of getting used to the thought that I can have a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. Number two, our relationship with God begins... At the point of our salvation, when we are born again, adopted into the family of God. So believers have a relationship with God because he is our father. He declares himself to be our father. He declares himself, uh, declares that we are his children. He says that we are going to live with him, that he loves us like children. Now, before we became believers in Jesus, before we trusted him as our personal savior, we were not in his family. We were illegitimate children, uh, and we couldn't know him. We couldn't have a relationship with him. It was impossible until we became a believer in Christ. John seventeen three. This is eternal life, that they may know you, know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. 
The world can't know God even if they try. No matter how they work at it, they think about it, they cannot have a relationship with God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Galatians 4, 8, however, at that time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Number three, as members of God's family, it is now our goal to grow in our knowledge and relationship with him. So I met my wife in college. And I was a sophomore, and she was a sophomore, and uh, she worked in the kitchen cafeteria, and I ate in the kitchen the cafeteria. So every day, passing my tray along, as she plopped potatoes or whatever on my plate, there she was. There came a point in which I... I'm going to marry her. And uh, I started pursuing her. And it was tough because she was the most popular girl on campus. I'm not exaggerating one iota when I say that. I was the least popular person on campus uh, in the sense that I didn't talk to anybody. uh, And I didn't know anybody. I milked cows to pay my way through school from midnight till six in the morning. I went to school, I played basketball, I played baseball, and I hung out in the dorm, and I didn't go to any... So Nobody knew me. Everybody knew Patty. She just smiles, and they all knew her. She, great. And so when I decided, I'm going to marry that, her, I knew, hmm, man, this is going to be some stiff competition. And so finally, when she said, okay, and we got a ring, it was just shortly after that, that summer came. And we were going to get married August... 24th, we had our wedding anniversary recently while I was up in Alaska trying to kill a caribou. (laughs) Great anniversary. Um, But uh, we got engaged. She went to California. I went to Washington. She was there three months. I was there three months. And at the end of that time, I drove down and we got married. And so when I drove down there in my Volkswagen and pulled into her driveway... My brother was driving at that point, and I opened the door and swung my legs out. And she came running out, and she sat down on my lap. And I kid you not, I almost threw up. I got instantly nauseous because this thought popped into my head. Duke, what are you doing? You don't know this woman from Adam. You dated her for two months. What are you doing, you dummy? I mean, I was like, "Ah, but I was too embarrassed to say, sorry, I'm calling this thing off. So, okay, I guess I'm stuck. Here we go. So we got married. So what did I do? I got to know her. A little bit the first day, a little more the second day, a little more the third day, a little more the fifth day. And we have now been married almost 55 years And I know her really well. And that relationship has grown and grown and grown and grown. But when we started, man, we had some tough years. There were some really difficult years of lots of arguing, lots of tears. You know, our motto was, I yelled, she cried. And that went on for some time. But we grew. Our relationship got more and more intimate over time. And so that's when we get... Saved, when we become a born-again Christian, adopted into the family of God, we don't know God. And so we 
seek him. We press on to grow in our relationship with him. Second Peter 3.18, here's a command. Grow, grow in the knowledge, grace and knowledge of the, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do it. To whom be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Colossians 1.9, for this reason also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul prayed for the Colossians that they would increase, grow in the knowledge of God. Number four, Jesus wants a growing relationship with us. <clears throat> now, I don't know. This as an absolute fact, but I'm pretty sure that he wants a relationship with me more than I want a relationship with him. Same is true for you. He paid an incredible price so that we could get saved and be in his family. He did that because he wants a relationship with us that's intimate and real and for all eternity. Hebrews 2.14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, that's us. He himself, Jesus, likewise also partook of the same. That is, he was born on Christmas Day, became a a person just like us in the flesh. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, might free those through fear of death who were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he, Jesus, gives help to the descendant of Abraham. That's us. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren. He had to be made like us to save us so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for since he himself was tempted, and that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He became like us so he could be our substitute, so that he could die in our place to pay the penalty of our sin. And he also did that so that as a person going through life, he would now understand us and be able to have an intimate relationship with us. Number five, Jesus left heaven, emptied himself of all that he was as God, became flesh just exactly like us so that he could save us, but also, also so that he could understand and relate to us. So God is all-knowing. And that's what you might call wisdom knowing information. But did you know that even though God is all-knowing, there was this barrier to him knowing us. Why? Because he didn't understand us. Because he was God and we were flesh. So he became flesh, lived like we live, so that he could understand us and relate to us. Now he knew what we felt, what we experienced, the pain, the temptation. He experienced it all firsthand. So now he could have an intimate relationship with us because he fully understood us. Did you know that the most difficult, most impossible command, that's not impossible, otherwise it wouldn't command us, but it's the, at least for guys, is the command in First Peter 3, Seven, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Whoa, that's a tough command. 
It's like, who can pull that one off? I'm closer. I'm closer. Live with my wife in an understanding way. I'm thinking sometimes, you know, the only way I'm going to be able to fully do that is if I were to become a woman. I'm not going to do that. But Jesus became like us in every way so that he could understand us. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize, sympathize or understand with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near, draw near, draw near. That means have a relationship with him with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, it's an amazing thing when you think about it that Jesus loved us so much, wanted a relationship with such a degree that he was willing to empty himself of all that he was as God, take the dive down to earth, be born into this world, not as a king, but as a, as a baby in poverty and live a life of trials because he wanted to have a relationship with us that was intimate and real. He wants that. He sought that. He did everything necessary to make it happen. Number six, to know God doesn't mean to know facts, information theologically about God, but to have a relationship with him, have a relationship with him, and have a growing relationship with him, an intimate relationship So that's the command. Grow in your knowledge of God. 2 Peter 1.3 Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. The true knowledge. That's epigenosis. The knowledge that is real, intimate, relational. Number seven. As we grow in our knowledge of God, we will then grow in grace, peace, godliness, and divine power. When we were raising our kids... One of the things that we did is we controlled their environment to the max. Now, the older they got, the less we could do that. So we did it as much as possible when they were little. The reason is because they became in relationship, in character, in behavior, in thoughts, and even the word they talk by the influence of the people that were around them. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Proverbs is full of that principle and statement. So we were pretty fussy about who our kids hung out with when they were little, when we could control that. And we did. We maximized the quality of the relationships because we could control that. As they got older and we had less control, we would teach them, talk to them about how important that was. Uh, Because you're going to become like those that you're with most of the time. So how do you become like Jesus in character? Hang around him a lot. Be his friend. Have an intimate relationship with him. And you will grow. Your character will grow. Your strength will grow. Your thinking will change. Everything moves in the direction of godliness as we hang around Jesus and fellowship with him. 2 Peter 1 again, 1 through 3. Simon Peter, bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, By the righteousness of God our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. His divine power has granted us everything we need as a result of our knowledge of him. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
<clears throat> when I went to school, high school, then college, then graduate school, I liked school, but I didn't like tests. If I could just go to school without taking a test, oh, I loved that. In fact, when I went to graduate school, one of the cool things about it, no test. And they would say, you want an A? Then read this number of pages, write the book reports on those pages, and then do a, uh, a writing project uh, for each five-credit class. Writing project was 20 pages. If you wanted a B, then you wrote, read, I think it was 2,000 pages uh, for five-credit class with an A, 1,500 pages for a B, 1,000 pages for a C, and if you wanted a D, they didn't want you in the class. So you picked what your grade was. Read uh, 2,000 pages, write a 20-page paper, turn it in, and if, if, they, if they graded it and you did the book report, got an A. No test. I hated tests. You, you ever have a, take a test when your brain goes blank? It's like all of a sudden you can't remember your name. i got to write my name on the top of the paper. What's my name? Oh, man, this is going to be bad. I know it. I don't know what it was about just sitting down and a test. Just, uh, I hated tests. So let's suppose we take a test tonight. Now, I don't know how it's going to work, but God does. The test is going to give you a grade on your relationship with him. A, if you have a really, really close, intimate relationship. B, if it's not bad, but not perfect. C, eh, kind of middle row. D, F. So we take the test. You ever guess before you take a test what you're going to get? What would you get, do you think? Just kind of, how well do you know God intimately? Really? And does that matter? Does it bother you? See, the fact is, my power, my joy, my peace, everything is multiplied to me as I grow in my knowledge with God. But the average Christian rarely thinks about how intimate of a relationship do I have. They're pretty well content with the fact that, yeah, I know Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And I know what the gospel is. Got the basic facts down. Cool. No, that's all I care about. We want to grow in actual intimate relationship with God. We have a spirit in us. He is a spirit being. We have the ability to have a relationship with God that's real if we want it and if we work at it. Number eight, we grow in our relationship with Jesus by seeking him. Seeking him. So when I decided Patty was the girl I was going to marry, I got her schedule. Monday she went to this class at this time, this class at that time. She worked in the cafeteria at this time. And after class she went and babysat at this house at this time. I found out what her schedule was for the entire week. And then I just happened to intersector on her route between classes in various places. Oh, huh. Well, it's nice seeing you. Could I carry your books? Sure. Okay. Have a great day. Went into class. And then, oh, huh, imagine seeing you here. Huh. Can I carry books? Sure. 
I mean, where she went, I went right the same spot. What was I doing? They arrest people for that now. I walked to her to her babysitting place. She was a waitress at a store, uh, at a restaurant. I walked her to that. Was there when she got off of work. Walked her back. And I pursued her. And I won. I said, did you know, somebody said, did you propose to your wife? I said, no, I never did. She proposed to me. We were sitting, one of our dates on Friday night, I was the master of cheap dates one of our dates on Friday night was to go to the student union building and they had a TV room, wasn't very big, one couch, and we would watch Mission Impossible Friday night, black and white. And that was our regular date. And so we were watching Mission Impossible and she said, I need to run to the bathroom. She did and she went, her purse fell on the floor. Well, when her purse fell on the floor, a letter fell out of her purse. And I glanced down at the letter and I saw my name on the paper that was sticking out of the envelope. Now you're thinking, you probably shouldn't have read that. My name was on it. So I picked it up and opened it up and her mom had written her a letter and she said, I'm anxious for you to come down. I'm really wanting to meet this fellow you're going to marry. Huh. So when she came back, I said, I waved it. When are we getting married, by the way? <laughs> and so then we went and got some rings. But uh, how did I do that? I pursued her. I pursued her more than anybody else. And our youngest daughter, Sally, was in Multnomah. And uh, I was interested in my girls getting married to a godly man. And there was this fellow that was sort of pursuing her. I didn't know him. I asked Sam, my son, do you know this Aaron dude? He said, yeah. I said, do you know anything about him? Not a lot. He's got long hair and he's, he's a skateboarder. So I thought, long hair and a skateboarder? Well, he's probably on drugs. So I told Sally, Sally, dump that dude. You can do better than that. And she said, okay. Well, she was in her singing class, her voice class, and Aaron slipped into the back of the room with a bouquet of roses. And when she finished her song, he ran up the aisle in the classroom and gave her the roses and then left. And Sally says to me, Dad, it's really nice to be pursued. You sure I have to dump him? I said, I tell you what, you bring him to dinner and all the kids will come and then we'll vote on him. <laughs> he passed. But I'll never forget. She said, it's so nice to be pursued. And so, you know what Jesus wants? He wants me to pursue him. He wants you to do the same. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's a great verse. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Deuteronomy 4, 29, from there you will seek the Lord your God. You will find him if, if, if you search for him with all your heart and soul. 1 Chronicles 16, 10, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Psalms 9.10, those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalms 27.8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. How do you do that? I know how to look for a deer, an elk. How do you seek God? 
We seek him, number nine, by faithfully practicing the basic disciplines of the Christian life. Faithfully practicing the basic disciplines of the Christian life. Faithfully, faithfully practicing the basic disciplines of the Christian life. Why do I call it a discipline? Because it's not like eating ice cream. It takes discipline to do the basic things. So, you've heard me tell this story before, but when Patty was pregnant with our first Sarah, we went and got counseling from a guy uh, that was a professor at Multnomah who had 12 kids. And we'd gone to a concert, been to a concert that they did, and they were amazing. They all played multiple instruments. They gave their testimony. It was like, wow, I can't believe those kids are... So when we were going to have... We went and saw him once a week for 15 minutes. Got counseling on how to raise kids like his. First thing he said, make them take piano lessons as soon as they can sit on a piano stool and make them practice 30 minutes every day, 365 days a year. As long as they live in your house. Now he was so mm, about it, I thought, what's the big deal with that? He said, did you know the average Christian doesn't realize that how they live is on the basis of how they practice? But when you take piano, they know that if they practice well, they play well. If they practice poorly, they play poorly. Same thing is true living the Christian life. Faithfully practice the basic disciplines of the Christian life. And they are Bible reading. That's a basic discipline. You should read the Bible every day, every day, every day, every day. Every day. We're going to take a little survey here. Be honest. Anybody here that's missed more than two days brushing your teeth? You did it? Once in your life or all the time? All the time. Wow. I want sitting next to you. I brush my teeth every day. Every day. Is that because I'm obligated? No, it's because I like to keep them. And I'm 75. I got all my teeth. I got all my wisdom teeth. I haven't had a cavity since I was like 12. I don't have to do it but I like the results you don't have to read the Bible every day if you want to know God you want to have a relationship with him it's intimate and it's real read the Bible every day if you have a Bible reading program you're a hundred times more apt to do it if you make a goal to do it every day you'll do it if you say ah, I'll do it when I get around to it it'll be pathetic and sometimes people will say man Pastor D I hate to have this obligation I was a dairy farmer for a lot of years. Never once did we have a conversation and ask this question. Shall we milk the cows this morning? Never had that conversation. We milk them every morning. We milk them every night. Why? Well, that's what dairy farmers do. We didn't. Considered an obligation, that's what we did. That was our livelihood. That was what was good for the cows. We milked them every day, twice a day, morning and night, as long as I was on the dairy. I read my Bible every day, every day, every day, every day, because I want to know God intimately. I memorize scripture. 
I pray corporately, privately. I worship well. I gather with my church family regularly. I examine my life for sin and confess it to God, experience his forgiveness. Those are basic disciplines. And as I faithfully practice the basic disciplines of the Christian life, my intimacy with God will grow and grow and grow and grow. Guaranteed. Number 10, for us to know the Lord more, he must reveal himself to us. He reveals himself to those who want to know him more than anything else. Who want, really want to know him. He knows that. He knows how much you really want to know him. <clears throat> Psalms 143.7 Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. Paul says in Philippians 3, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Count them but rubbish, garbage, so that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, I press on, I press on, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, knowing Christ Jesus, that's it. That's the most important thing there is. Jeremiah 9.23, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him, him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord God. 11, God waits to be wanted. God waits to be wanted by us more than anything else. Psalm 63, 1, oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Number 12, there's a lot of phony drawing near to God. A lot of Christians talk about knowing God, uh, hearing from God, etc., etc., but it's not a lot of truth to much of it. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord said, because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. Their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Thirteen, it basically boils down to priorities. God expects that he will be first in our lives. And he knows if he is or he isn't. He expects that he'll be first place in our lives. Above our jobs, money, homes, kids, everything. He's first. Exodus chapter 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Deuteronomy 5, 7, you shall have no other gods before me. Judges 10, 13, yet you have forsaken me and served other gods, therefore I will no longer deliver you. Jeremiah 25, 6, do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them. Do not provoke me to anger. Deuteronomy 32, 20, then he said, I will hide my face from you, them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a perverse generation, sons of whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols, their money, their cars, their jobs, 
First Chronicles 28, 9, the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. So we choose to pursue him, to seek him diligently. We do that. Read the Bible every day. Spend time with him in prayer every day. Memorize scripture. Attend church regularly. Seek him and you will find him and you'll be blessed incredibly by him as you grow in your walk with him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are knowable, but you wait to be wanted. And it's not easy because we can't see you like we can people. But we have a spirit. Your spirit lives in us. We can indeed know you if we seek you. You will make yourself known to us. We draw near to you. You will draw near to us. And I pray that we wouldn't be so distracted by the world and by life and our problems and everything around us that we rarely think about you. Pray that we'd be faithfully practice the basic disciplines of the Christian life and grow in our walk and relationship with you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.